When are you supposed to open Christmas gifts? When are you supposed to open Christmas gifts? Is it Christmas Eve? Is it Christmas Day morning? And then, and then when you get married, whose tradition do you follow, right? So there's, there's this thing that goes on. And when Jenny and I got married, we had to wrestle with whose traditions are we gonna follow in our house? Um, and we faced these questions in 1991 when we got on a jet plane. We lived outside of Chicago and we flew to Williamsburg, Virginia for the week of Christmas. And we got on a United flight and we flew all the way to Las Vegas, Nevada for the week of New Year's. And so we got to do it all in one fell swoop. Now, 1991 Vegas Christmas, I got to tell you, was insane. It was absolutely insane. My grandpa John was still living, and I considered my grandparents to be rich for several reasons. One, they lived in a gated community. Two, their neighbors were people like Kenny G and Jerry Lewis. Three, they never came to the airport in person to pick us up. They sent a limo. And four, it was a 10,000 square foot home with a guest house behind it that was bigger than our apartment. And so, uh, now, because of the relational dynamic that played out with that set of grandparents and my mother and us, you were either in or you were out. If it was an in year, it was a feast year. If you were out, you were out on the curb and there was zip, not a nothing, not even a card, okay? And so it was, it was one or the other. And 1991 was an, was an in year. It was an in year. Uh, as they sorted out the gifts and we all kind of sat in our spot, each person had a mountain, a mountain of gifts. I'm so glad that Nana Angel had a two-story living room, really, because it was, <laughs> and so here's the thing, I can't remember a single gift from that year. Isn't that crazy? I cannot tell you a single gift from 1991 insane Vegas Christmas. If you go back five years earlier than that, in the summer of 1986, Nana Angel took me shopping for a college wardrobe. And we went to none other than Saks Fifth Avenue. I had never set foot inside of a Saks Fifth Avenue. So when we walked into the store, I'm Mr. Indiana, small town Indiana boy. <gasps> I made the mistake of looking at one of the price tags. <laughs> okay, and she had two clerks following around the store. I can tell you to this day, every single outfit she bought that day in 1986. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? I can, I can describe every single outfit from Saks Fifth Avenue, but I can't tell you a single gift I got from 1991 insane Vegas Christmas. You wanna know the difference? The summer trip to Saks Fifth Avenue was an experience. Nana Angel was giving me the gift of not just her time, but she was Miss Fashion, let me tell you. Now, her sense of fashion and my sense of fashion, not the same. <laughs> not the same, 
but boy, she would hold up things to me. Oh, that's wrong for your skin color and toss it and, you know, and the clerks, it was like right out of a movie scene, right? I mean, and the clerks are following around. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And when it was done, every single one of the outfits got packed in a red box with a bow. And so I can remember, so the, the, the funny thing is, I can remember every single gift because what was going on was something relational, all right? And here's what I wanna tell you today. The best gifts celebrate a relationship. The best gifts, the biggest gifts celebrate a relationship, which is why you should give more of yourself. You should give more of yourself, all right? Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we celebrate Christmas? Baby Jesus, ding, 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 right answer, baby Jesus. What happened on Christmas night is that God became a baby. Wrap your mind around that, okay? Good luck. God did not give us more stuff at Christmas. He gave us the gift of himself. I wanna read this passage from John chapter one. If you want, you can just close your eyes and listen. Um, this is uh, what John has to say. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existing, existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believe him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. They're reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or a plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, Come on, someone's coming after me who's greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself, God. He is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. So John, the guy writing this, is Jesus' best friend. And he's writing this gospel as any good friend would write a story of their best friend's life. It's filled with love, and he wants you to understand who Jesus really is. So Matthew and Luke, they tell us about Mary and Joseph and off to Bethlehem and the star and, and, and the wise men and Herod and the, and the angels and shepherds. But John tells us what really happened that night. And it's rooted in John 1.14. So the word became human and made his home among us. There's a couple of things going on here. The word became human. 
Jesus, who is the word, became in flesh, in fleshment. Uh, in Spanish and in Latin, it's encarnate, incarnate. <laughs> the doctrine of the incarnation, ding, 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 okay? He became encarnate. But the second part, made his home among us. Uh, the NIV translates it this way. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Literally in the Greek, it's the word tabernacled. The word tabernacled. That's what God did on Christmas night. God tabernacled with us. John's wanting us to draw some important connections. Um, just like the tabernacle in the Old Testament, Jesus' birth is a picture of God's presence with us, okay? So let me unpack some things about this tabernacling. Um, Exodus 40 tells us what happened when they completed the tabernacle. The cloud covered the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses couldn't even enter the tabernacle because of the cloud had settled down over it and the glory of the Lord had filled the tabernacle. So there was a clear thing, whoa, there's God, God's over there, <laughs> okay, you couldn't miss it. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle was a huge tent filled with symbols. Outside the tent was the uh, altar of burnt offerings. The first thing when you came in through the, the doorway was the altar of burnt offerings. You had to sacrifice a lamb to even come in. And then a little further along was the uh, wash basin. And you had to wash yourself. Again, you had to have clean hands and a pure heart to enter the tabernacle. And then when you got to the inside of the tabernacle, there were some other things. There was a table for the bread of presence. There was a lampstand, or what we call the menorah. Uh, there was the Ark of the Covenant behind the curtain where the two tablets of the Ten Commandments were stored, also called the mercy seat. Now, parents would say to their children, now stay away from that tabernacle. Don't you go running and playing around that tabernacle that's holy. And the reason they would say that is because uh, Aaron's sons, uh, Nahab and Abihu, were struck dead. They were priests of the tabernacle, and God struck them dead because they were showing up and doing their priestly duties drunk. God didn't care for that. And so people kind of were like, whoa, that's some serious stuff going on at the tabernacle. I'll steer clear a little bit. But in the process, they were missing something very important. Inside the tabernacle was a seat, a table, and a light. The three things that were in every Israelite tent, in every Israelite home. God was saying, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. Even though the inside of the tabernacle had purple cloth, fine linen cloth, and everything was gold, did you know that the outside of the tabernacle was kind of ugly and plain and ordinary? Are you picking up on this? The outside of the tabernacle was black goat hair, plain white curtains. If you saw that from a hillside, you wouldn't be saying to yourself, man, I got to see what's inside of that. You go, oh, somebody's got a tent. <laughs> 
Got a big fence around the tent, huh? <laughs> okay? So when John says to us that God tabernacled, John wants us to make this connection. Oh, on the outside, it just looked like another baby born to a poor set of parents on the outskirts of the Roman Empire. But on the inside, oh, God. Oh. Okay? Jesus says some very important things. Uh, I am the Lamb of God. Oh, you mean like the lamb that had to be sacrificed to enter the tabernacle? Yes. I am the bread of life. Oh, you mean like the table of the bread of presence? Yes. <laughs> I am the living water. Oh, you mean like the basin of water. And Jesus is saying, uh, drink from me, be washed by me. I am the light of the world. Oh. See, God is tabernacling among us. God is tabernacling among us. God didn't give us presents, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, -E -E at Christmas. God gave us presents, P-R-E-C-E-N-C-E. -E -E. He gave us the gift of himself, all right? We see this clearly in the life of Jesus as an adult. Jesus paid attention. Jesus noticed people, and Jesus did everything that people in a hurry forget. And yes, I, I didn't learn spelling really well. <laughs> John 3.16, a couple of chapters later, for God so loved the world that he gave what? What did he give? Oh, okay. So if it's true that the best gifts celebrate a relationship, and if God gave of himself, then maybe we should give more of ourselves, right? So let me ask a question. What would change in your key relationships if you gave more of yourself in 2019? What would change? I gotta make some important caveats. Buyer beware. Relational giving is going to cost you time and energy. It's far easier to go to Panera and get a $10 gift card. Okay, relational giving will cost you. Um, there was an anniversary year that I gave Jenny uh, 52 qualities and reasons that I loved her. My hand hurt, okay? It's gonna cost you to do these kinds of things. Relational giving will cost you. Talk to Jesus. Secondly, relational giving is risky. They may not understand. They may not get it. They may be like, what, huh? Okay, just and understand that Jesus was misunderstood and sometimes Jesus was rejected. It's part and parcel of it. Relational giving is risky. Lastly, relational giving is other focused. In other words, at first it may seem lopsided. Hey, I put all this time and energy into this thing and I got a $10 Panera gift card. Not equal. <laughs> okay, Sheldon's gift giving theory comes into play, right? It may be lopsided. Okay, uh, because relational giving is other focused. So if we were to give more of ourselves, what might that look like? What are some things, ways that that might translate into your home and in your life? First of all, I would like to say, please start small, start small. God started off with a baby, <laughs> okay? That's pretty small. Uh, start small, and maybe you've got 20 people swirling in your head. 
I'm going to relationally give 20, no, 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 no. 19 are going to get $10 Panera gift cards. One person. Start off with one person. One. Start small, because you can do that. You can take that step. Just start small. Start with one person to give a relational gift to. Uh, and by the way, uh, students, this isn't just for adults. For example, the gift of a coffee mug that you give to one of your parents tied to the coffee mug is a three mornings a week we're having coffee time together all semester, and that's part of this gift of this coffee mug, okay? So see how it translates? All right, secondly, choose experiences over things. Dance lessons, trips, concerts, events, cooking classes. There are people in our community who consistently will do the Nicholasville Citizens Police Academy as a weekly date night with their spouse, <laughs> right? Every week, they do the Citizens Police Academy, and they, all they pay for is the babysitting because they get to do the tactical gear. They get to drive around in a Wii U. Wii U, Wii U, Wii U. It's fun, okay? <laughs> all right? And so choose experiences over things. Third, share memories. Maybe they're notes or uh, pictures. Thank yous. Thank you for, okay? Uh, and lastly, relieve a burden. Make or arrange some meals. Uh, watch kids for an evening, do some yard work. Uh, my mother-in-law, who's here today, is the queen of burden relieving, okay? She is the queen of burden relieving. Relieve a burden, okay? Now, and we'll email you a ton of ideas. So in your inbox uh, tomorrow, along with all of a bunch of emails from Amazon, right? <laughs> will be an email from us that gives a number of ideas. I just shared these fours, four ideas in hopes that your wheels start going, oh, well, ooh, I could do four, right? That, that's my hope. Um, in two days, in two days, my mother will have given me 50 Christmases of Christmas gifts. 50. Um, and if she just did one gift a year, that's still a lot, but it's my mother, so it's more than one. Okay, and I can, I can recall the best gift from childhood uh, in terms of stuff was the year I got the Death Star with the trash compactor. <laughs> Take that, Han Solo, okay? Um, and so I, I, saw, I remember that one, which subsequently got sold in a garage sale, which is luck, and, you know, it happens. And some of you are feeling the pain right now. But... Of all the gifts that I've gotten from my mom over the years, there's one that is a takeaway best gift ever. Um, and it's the year, and I think she did it over two years, but she took the time to actually make an album of my childhood. Like, do you know how much time that took? And she wrote in little stories, you know, this is what happened. <laughs> you know, some of the pictures are in black and white, which is kind of scary. Um, but, but she did that, and this took a tremendous amount of time and effort to make that kind of photo album. And today, best gift I ever got. Could I sell that on eBay and get, a, get money to buy a car for Jill or something like that? No. It's worth practically nothing. But it's the best gift I ever got from my mother, okay? Again, the best gifts in life celebrate a relationship which is why you should give more of yourself.